Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be talking about the Netflix series, God, God's Favorite Idiot. We are joined by creator, writer, executive producer, and actor Ben Falcone, actor and executive producer Melissa McCarthy, as well as cast members Usman Ali and Yannick Truesdale. And Ben, I wanted to start by, by talking a little bit about the way in which you've created this series, because when you step back, if you if you took out the elements of, of God and Satan and, and that entire storyline, it would still be this really intimate, connected character an exploration of comedy with this like lovely shy man who loves his dad, makes great chicken and whose coworkers and friends really help him come out of his shell. And so I was interested in the way that you created and wrote a lot of the characters in that way where yes, we have this kind of larger than life element but at the end of the day, it's also this really grounded, intimate, connected comedy. Well, I'm, uh, I'm fascinated uh, by logistics. You know, I think about you know, if you think of like the worst things that people have had to do in this world, like if they're in a war or something, well, at some point they have to go to the bathroom. When do you go to the bathroom? How do you go to the bathroom when there was, you know what I mean? And when do you eat? And, you know, like, how do you, uh, so I, I thought in this sort of larger than life scenario where you take this, you know, I, and I do always write from characters first, but when you take this very real man who lives in Burbank, California, and he's chosen for reasons he does not know. Um, and, and then you put him, it was, it was a book at first, um, a long time ago. And then Melissa about three years ago said, Oh, we should make this into a TV show. And, and, and they should all work in an IT office. That's what the guy is. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's kind of cool. So I love just, just saying <laughs> things that have no knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I just sort of take the story step by step and, you know, there was the idea that he's he's in this office. He's got his friends. You know, he's supported by you know uh, Usman is in the office, and his boss is Frisbee, and you know he's got Tom, who's the loud mouth, and Amelie, who's the crazy woman that he loves, and you know uh, Wendy, who's just the sweetest, uh, maybe his closest friend there. You know, so um, it just sort of like grew step by step, and uh, you know, I I didn't exactly always know where it was going, and it was kind of a pleasure to find it as we went. Yeah, I really love that. And, and Melissa, with your character, Amelie, what's so fun in watching her is she's this woman who everything she says and all of her actions, she kind of just throws herself wholeheartedly into things and doesn't necessarily stop to have the thought process before she does anything. You know, if there's any oh. sort of like recognizance, it happens after the fact. And you, you know, what are the comedic spaces that you felt like you were really able to take this character with the fact that every single action, every single thing that she's saying has to have such kind of fully committed delivery to it in, that, in an instant. I think I just, I mean, I, I, I'm a, I'm a people person. I love to watch people. I love meeting people. And I just thought I, when I first read Amelie, I was like, I would really like to be friends with her because you don't know what's coming next. She's not perfect, nor are any of my friends or people I love. I don't know any perfect people. And I really am attracted to characters that, that just simply are forward momentum. They're like, I'm, I'm moving. We have to get through. We have to progress. I don't know what's on the other side of the door, but somebody has to go through it. And it's going to be me. Like, I just, I love that in a person. And then somehow how Ben writes, you have all that chaos and spontaneity and madness. And then, you know, Amelie has drugs and booze and whatever else she's doing. But somehow at the heart of how she's written, you know that it's still she will be there for you, that she still is motivated from love, even if it's aggressive. It's she aggressively loves, she aggressively defends. 
And yet it's, there's still a core of kindness, which to me, just as a human is a great reminder to not judge people, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. It's like, she's loud, she's brash, but I would feel lucky to have Amelie as a friend. And like, you may not think that upon first meeting her. So I I love to show characters that, uh, that have all their flaws, but to me, it makes them beautiful. Absolutely. And, and Usman, in talking about your character as well, um, I was interested in how you kind of created him and, and developed this arc that he goes on throughout the series, because, you know, even for him, the, the thing of like trying to solve a Rubik's Cube says so much about his upbringing, his past, the way his parents raised him, the perfectionism that he's striving for. And so kind of letting go of, of completing a Rubik's puzzle is like a huge change for him. And you have this kind of natural evolution in him, but then you also kind of have to find where it's heightened because of the situation and because because of the fact that he knows that his his life could end any moment with everything yeah. going on. And so how did that kind of move the momentum forward a lot more in some of the changes that you wanted to make throughout the series? Well, I think what was really great was that, um, you know, Ben allowed uh, me to find the sort of immigrant experience that Mosin has without also saying, hey, we want to talk about the immigrant experience. You know what I mean? Like it was, you know, somebody... Myself, you know, I, I came to this country 20 years ago and I, I'm Muslim and I very rarely see characters that are like me on TV shows. Uh, that sort of representation is really missing. And it was important for us to find a character that could be that person without it being like, here's our statement on race and diversity and multiculturalism and all those sorts of things. So the relationship that Mosin starts to have with uh, with Wendy, for example, it's it's really great because it allowed us to find a very American story of two people who've come from different parts of the world who've come together, particularly at this point where there's something potentially terrible about to happen and, and leaning in on each other. Um, so it's very American in some ways, but also this very global story, right? Because they come from different parts of the world. So it was very meaningful to me to be able to, to create this person who is um, the embodiment of what is uh, what I think is America right now, you know, um, who has a, a sense of humor, but is also kind of beholden to the sense of responsibility that um, he needs to do things sort of the hard way because he needs to prove that he's he's valid. And I think that's that's a huge part of the immigrant story and struggle in this country is is finding ways in which you can feel and prove to people that you belong. Um, and sometimes it's important to also be able to let that go. And I think Wendy is somebody who comes in and allows him to sort of let that go a little bit too. So it was just really nice to be able to find that sort of structure in the character and to build on, on his real wants and desires and how he feels being here. So, yeah. I really, I really love those details. And 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 Yanni can talking about your character. I was really interested in in how you kind of developed and shaped this character because on the one hand you're playing this very ethereal character as an angel, but it also at the same time it has to be a very grounded character that kind of connects in the same way for the audience to kind of connect to him and care about him, but also through the care that he then in turn has for the other characters. And so what were the unique aspects of developing a character in that way where you have those elements, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's still kind of the same structure and process of shaping someone. Yeah, so I I worked in a way that I I tried to make specific what it meant for him to be on earth when he would come to earth. So for me, the earth was like, as if Samuel got to go to Disneyland. And so everything was fun and new and felt like a ride and, and uh, exciting for him. But uh, in order to keep him grounded and make him as real as the other humans, I just decided that the fact that he was an angel was more 
more like someone who had become to a state of mind like Buddhism, where you've done a lot of work and your anger and your stress is there, but you know how to manage it. And it's just there with all the other stuff and it's all good. It doesn't matter how you feel, it's good because you got to make the best out of it. And so I created that reality for me when I was interacting with other people. So I was a human, but just a human, a little bit ahead of them emotionally. So that way I could interact with them as a human. And also the earth and everything that I had to deal while I was on that mission was an amusement, an amusement park for him. So that's how I created those two realities and make it connected to them and to the show so that you're in the same show. You're not in, you know, yeah, absolutely. That's so great. And and Ben, kind of coming back to you and your character with Clark, you know, it is really lovely to watch him go through this journey of really finding his voice a lot more throughout the series. You know, there's that great flashback scene at the beginning where he couldn't even sit alone with Amelie, even though he was obsessively in love with her. And he's just like, have a great night and walks away to the point where he's the first person in their relationship to say, I love you to her. And so how did you kind of work it out in, in the writing of him and the performance of him in calibrating where those kind of like small nuanced evolution of him finding his voice were going to be so that you could take him to that point towards the end of the series? Well, uh, just, I mean, I, I'm very boring. I'm a very pragmatic, <laughs> uh, boring not true. person in that way. Like that I just see the, he starts at the start and he gets to where he gets to, right? So I'm, I'm very, you know, obviously we, we never have the, um, luxury to, to film in order, which I'm sure all of us actors would tell you is one of, if we could do that, boy, would we make different choices here and there. But, um, but I just always, you know, I, I really have taken a lot from all the great actors that we know and just the amount of preparation that they do, you know, uh, Allison Janney has a giant uh, like chalkboard or whiteboard or something that she she writes every moment of every movie on this thing. So when she before she goes to hair and makeup, she knows where she is in the movie. Um, so I tried to do something sort of similar to that. I watched Melissa do very similar things. Yannick, I know, is, you know, obsessive with his script. And I'm sure Guzman has his process as well. So I just basically try to steal from people who do a consistently great job. And, you know, that's how I was like, okay, well, here's where he is today, you know, um, and just, you know, do my best. That's so, so interesting to hear. And, and, and Melissa, you know, you were talking before about with Amelie, obviously she loves people around her so fiercely, but she has such a unique way of expressing that, you know, she has her own very specific love language for her. She can't say, I love you back straight away, but she'll make herself a key, move all her things in and say it practically and logically made sense that, that we move in together for the next step in our relationship. Um, and so how did you kind of find what her love language was going to be, particularly in getting to watch the beginning of this relationship coming together? I, you know, I, I kind of map out my whole, I almost do it like a flow chart. I map out all my scenes and I want to watch the, the ebb and flow and where it's hot and where it's cold and why. And then there was something struck me in looking at it is when I cared the most and was doing sometimes the most selfless things, she did it, she did it in a way that would never show that. It's almost like if I wanted to be kind to something, I'd do it on the side and it's over with. Because I couldn't, I don't think Amelie could quite, I don't think she had the trust to expect people to take it kindly. And so I thought she does it anyway, tries to not make a fuss of it. But in the end, it was like, 
I thought her actions were always kind of doing the right thing, even if her mouth wasn't, which is something I can really kind of relate to. I, I, I often say the wrong things, but I, I, I hopefully mean well. But, um, you know, it was really there in the writing. And, and Ben is so open to if I was, you know, if I'm hesitant somewhere, I want to play this. I want to play this hotter or more more insecure because I want to be able to go up to come back down. Like, I think it's always a, it's a give and take. I think you have to keep letting your characters fall down or else the audience have not, ha, has nothing to root for. If you're already up, uh, you know, you want to see them, you want to see people fall down, hopefully do it in a realistic, in this case, funny way. And then that allows your audience to, to kind of get invested and be like, get up, get up, you can do it. And I think when you do that, and all these characters in, in GFI, to me, are really doing that. I mean, they're all going through their own thing, which is also a really nice tether that, like, aren't we all going through it? Don't we all have our weaknesses and our our proud moments and our failures? And if you start to realize everybody has all those, you're less likely to, you know, be jealous of someone or to be insecure if you're i mean what a great place if we could all get to a spot where we're like yeah we we all go through it like just we could relax and i think i think that character allowed me to to really play with that that's a great that be any sense i hope it, it makes so much sense that these are all such great details <laughs> you know and, and oh us. no I mean, similarly to how Ben and, and Melissa were describing kind of like charting those arcs for you, Usman, because you're getting to play that, you know, that that relationship development with Wendy as well. You know, did you have kind of a similar a similar method of, of how you would kind of chart out what that was going to be to make sure that it was it was calibrated throughout the series? Or how did you approach that evolution for him? Yeah, you know, it was really interesting, even in terms of just something very basic, like costume and, and what he was wearing. Uh, when I was speaking to the costume designer on the show, I was like, you know, it'd be really fantastic if he starts to loosen up a little bit as he sort of, uh, his relationship with Wendy progresses because she is kind of far more outlandish. So you see a little bit more color coming into his life. He's making these these little um, steps that hoping that she'll notice, you know, that look, I'm, I'm wearing something a little bit more relaxed today, not so monochromatic as I was before. Uh, little things here and there that they, these sort of little gifts that they give each other, you know? Um, so it was important for me to, to really hone in on how does he get affected by somebody else? Because I think Mosin is somebody who doesn't particularly get affected ordinarily. He's a really good friend to Clark and family and to everyone else in, in the office, but he, he, he's very structured and knows what his purpose is and what he's supposed to be doing. Um, but when he is affected by somebody, it sort of jolts him, but allows him to sort of make these little adjustments and show his love in, in, these, in these sorts of ways that look, I've, I've made a change here and I hope she notices, it, you know? So that was fun to be able to just uh, to sort of process it from the outside in a little bit, you know? I love the, the, how you handled the hair, Usman, when she oh, yes. asked, <laughs> and she's asking your opinion and you're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's funny. I mean, Yannick, was there, was there something interesting in terms of, of figuring out, you know, more nuanced changes with your character? Because at the same time, in, in playing an angel and playing someone who who's there for Clark and the people around him, there needs to be something steadfast about him and that's right. very so familiar that's and reliable. And so did you find that it was more kind of like small incremental things? Small incrementals, but I, what, I, what was very enjoyable for me is that I've played for some reason in my career, a lot of characters that have been 
uh, detached emotionally, uh, condescending, sarcastic, cold, uh, you know, doing all kinds of evil and power trips over other characters. <laughs> and for me to have this guy who is, I hope, closer to me, which is just good hearted, trying to do some good, trying to do the best he can with what he was handled. Perhaps Clark was not the best choice <laughs> for the mission, but still working with him uh, and with good faith and with trust. Uh, just that alone for me was something very new and felt fresh. Um, so that, that was one element. And the other element, which was a little uh, to your point, the fact that actually you find out that he can die and that there are certain demons that can actually end his life that makes him more human. Because I think what makes him an angel is that, oh, you can live forever. But suddenly when you find out that, no, there are actually some real dangers to him and to his life, which created a little more vulnerability, like with the car scenes and stuff, when you realize like, oh, he's actually panicked. He's actually, this is actually, he's in trouble. Um, which created some nuance for this steady fast character who brings uh as you mentioned yes so that was fun it it's so great to watch as well you know and and lastly for you ben you know you've you've, you've also kind of created this story that that pulls from elements of different genres you've got a whole element of the story that's really this great workplace comedy although not a lot of work ever seems to get done much to the behest of frisbee <laughs> you know and at the same time you've also got these two storylines which are these romantic comedy threads were you kind of consciously thinking about the way in which you wanted to create this amalgamation of genres or was that just a natural product of the story that you wanted to tell in the way that you wanted to tell it uh i think it was probably a natural product of just sort of starting to tell this story as best i could and then you know, seeing like everybody everywhere uh, wants something and is going somewhere in their life. And that could be Wendy, it could be Mosin. Um, and she decides she's, uh, you know, newly to Burbank uh, from New Zealand. And she finds a guy that she likes, you know, and she thinks he's cool. And as things start to get a little dicier, uh, she decides she's going to tell him that she thinks he's great. And that's sort of, so that's sort of informed. Well, now I'm like, well, oh, geez, well, where's Mosin in his life? And what does he want? And he's good friends to everybody. And he's probably the smartest person in the office. But what is, what does he need? What does this character want? So it, it's sort of each, and then, you know, to Yannick's point, you know, when Shamuel dis discovers sort of, or, or, you know, knows during different, different points of the show, Oh, I'm not infallible. I, I, there, bad things can happen to me too, unless I succeed and help. Um, I think, I think that's just the way that my head works in terms of like, I, I start at the beginning and once this thing happens, you know, once Wendy decides that she's going to tell most and that she thinks he's nice, uh, well, that's probably going to snowball in some way or another. And so that, that's sort of my process. I think it's a, if I may just add on to that, I think, it's a real delight when, you know, I think as actors, a lot of us have done things where you're just like, but what am I doing? What, yeah. like, what about, and I know something's happening in the scene, but it is, it is a rarity or maybe not that usual. I should say that everybody kind of has their own full journey and full arc. And Ben does think about that. And it's lovely because everybody has their, when you have everybody kind of as a three-dimensional character, that has flaws and needs and wants, and this arc isn't the same as that arc. I think 
it makes it funnier. It makes it more uh, interesting. I also think it, it makes it somehow, even in this heightened world, more, more, uh, more real. I think you can connect to it because you're like this mess that the show is in one way, it feels much more real. Like you have all these people that shouldn't probably fit together, but they do. And you are friends with them. And one has a good day and one has a bad day. And there's something about if you get this, if you get that swirl correctly, that mess becomes a, a bit musical to me. And I think you really, it just feels right. And I, I think we had such great people and such a great writer that uh, it, it, to me, it really just kind of took on its own rhythm. I did get stuck in, in particular, uh, you know, I got stuck a lot of times and, you know, Melissa would help me or Steve Mallory, one of the writers or Mike McDonald, a producer and a writer. Um, but I got stuck with uh, Wendy and Mosin just for a second because I was like, well, so he can't solve this cube and she feels bad about it. And Ma Steve Mallory, who plays Frisbee, go, he sent me a thing and goes, she should give him a harder cube. And I was like, well, that's that's life. Right. <laughs> What what she what he's perceiving like I can't even do this one thing and she's like you can do that I want to give you something impossible to do uh -huh. it's just like to me that made all the sense in the world in its own way yeah absolutely and it's such a great detail in, in the show I mean I really love what you've all brought to the table and to the screen in the first season of this so thank you so much for talking about it really appreciate your time today. oh thanks thank you very nice much. to talk to you.